All right, so here's the deal. This is my third attempt to record this, and I've been trying to record this for months. And I don't know what's going on, other than the fact that I know that this is an episode that needs to happen. It's kind of like the crazy prayer thing episode, that there were things going on in my life where I felt like God was calling me to remember who he was, what he has done, how he has worked, uh, so that I could move forward into the season that he was calling me into with a confidence of his power and goodness. That is today. Uh, And the story today is about the season of unemployment, the same season that is where this podcast was born from, the same season that I have mentioned uh, in various ways throughout the episodes, but have never told the full story. Um, And there's reasons for that. Um, You know, some of the story wasn't yet ready to tell. Some of the story I couldn't tell because of privacy of others. Some of the story (laughs) required much more than the form of this podcast could allow. But today, I'm going to attempt to tell the story. Before I go any further, I need to pray. uh, Because as I mentioned, I have tried and tried to make this happen. And it hasn't worked. And so I desperately need this to not be my thoughts or words or ideas or plans, but I need it to be whatever it is the Holy Spirit wants to say and do. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good, that you give us stories to tell, um, but we also have the opportunity to give those stories back to you and to not simply just craft something, but to be a vessel of your words, a vessel of your truths, some of your thoughts. So I give all of it to you. If there are things that I want to share that I shouldn't, stop me. If there are things that I don't want to share that I should, give me the strength and courage. Give me the brevity of words where it is needed. Uh, Give me the ways to speak um, and all the words that are necessary for the moments that need that. And all of this not for anything to do with my glory, but for your glory and so that you can be known as God and good for anyone who hears. All this we pray in holy and precious name. Amen. All right, so it's been a long pause in episodes. Uh, we welcomed a baby into our family. My employment story took a significant shift, uh, and I have been held up from recording <laughs> for some, so many reasons. Um, and here we are today. A few things that I want to say before I go in. Um, this is, I, I've, I've already named this as the, story uh, of my season of unemployment. This is not a story of God giving me a job. This is a story of God doing something abundantly more than a job, abundantly more than anything I could ask or think. Um, This is not a story to focus on hard moments, uh, to pinpoint individuals or entities, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 6.12. Let me put it another way. The things that I've come up against aren't people or entities or things. Um, God is up to something big, and the enemy does not want me to see that or recognize that or engage that. And so there's been a lot of things that have come up (laughs) against what God's been doing, but nothing can stop God. And this is the story of me learning to die to myself over and over and over. And as I die to myself, to live in Christ, to learn what that means, to learn what abundantly more looks like, to practice what it means to walk towards God, even if it's clumsily into the darkness. Again, this podcast came from this space, um, but it's taken me nine months to fully tell the story. And even now, I, I won't be able to tell the whole story. There will be things that I will choose to leave out, names that I choose to not say, um, elements that I choose not to share, even if it's just for time's sake. So if something piques your interest, find me. Let's talk. Um, I'd love to share more and more of what God's done because there's so much I long to share that I can't in this format. And the last thing I'll say is this. Uh, so much of this story that I can tell, I can only tell because I have had moments where I was smart enough to know that I should be practicing writing Kairos or Kingdom moments. Now, if you're listening to that and you're thinking, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, Go back to episode two. 
uh, where Doug Paul shares what kingdom or Kairos moments are and how they can transform your capacity to hear and understand the voice of God. So without further ado, you are listening to episode 16 of the Where Did You See God podcast. tell this story right, I have to go back to September of 2017. Now, leading to that month, uh, I had had a number of challenging things in multiple spheres uh, that were hard to navigate, that were weighing me down. In fact, if you go back to episode nine, the Unity in the Pit episode, I share a bit about that space that I was in, a space where I felt crushed, broken, scared, confused, alone, uh, and that I hit points and, and most notably in September 2017, a point of feeling utterly hopeless. Like I had done everything that I could, that I had tried to seek God, and it seemed like nothing was working. I felt hopeless. And it's in that space that God smiled and said, well, it's about time you stop doing this in your own power. It's about time you stop trying to figure this out. It's about time you realize that you have nothing to offer and I have everything to offer. It was in this moment that I was able to go from a space of hopelessness to realize the hope that God was offering. One of the ways that God did this was uh, through the sphere of work, and there were some difficult things happening, and I wasn't sure what to do. Should I stay or should I go? Uh, And I felt like there were certain things that needed to change. And my spiritual father, Don Coleman, uh, said something incredibly profound and definitely from God. He said, you don't work for an organization You work for God. So what is God, your boss, telling you to do? And despite all the challenges, all the things that I felt like needed to change, I knew (laughs) that God was telling me to stay. And I remember in that moment, uh, knowing what God was saying, but still my humanity resisting it. And so I responded to Don, I know he's telling me to stay. But once the spring hits and we start going into this, that, and Don stopped me mid-sentence, and he said, we are not in the spring. Right now, God is telling you to stay. Don't worry about three months from now. In fact, three months from now is going to be different than ever before. I feel it. I believe it. So just trust God. And so uh, I had this amazing moment (laughs) of going from hopelessness, of going from an understanding of what I thought was at play, what was happening, what I thought needed to change, to God utterly shifting it and saying, The only thing that matters is me, that I am your boss. You work for me, and I am telling you what to do. And what I'm telling you to do is to trust me, to go where I am calling you to go. Don't worry about the circumstances. Don't worry about how you're going to get there. Don't even worry about where it is you're even going. I'm telling you to go, and just go, and trust me. A few days later, I had a very clear moment to practice this to be able to engage a situation in the mindset of, I know who God is. I know who he's calling me to be, and I know what he's calling me to do. And even though my humanity is telling me to respond one way, I'm going to choose to take God at his word. And in this situation, it should have gone one way, and it did not. It went in a way that it should never have gone, a way that clearly demonstrated God at work. And it was a beautiful moment of seeing. It was as though God was giving me the gift of saying, see, I am here and I am working. And what followed was an amazing season of about nine months or so of learning what it meant to live into who God is, to live into who he's called me to be, and to just do what he says, no matter what the consequences, no matter what the cost, no matter what the odds are against me. And then to see him, time after time after time and his graciousness and love show up in those spaces. It was around this time that I had an opportunity to press into what it means to understand and engage with the Holy Spirit. Now, growing up, the churches that I attended didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit. It might be mentioned um, here and there, but there wasn't a very overt engagement with the Holy Spirit. And so I went into a Holy Spirit conference um, ready more ready than I've ever been 
to learn and engage what it meant to understand and respond to the Holy Spirit. And that was an interesting weekend. There were things that happened that I struggled with, that I left feeling like maybe I'm not a good Christian because apparently I'm supposed to feel this and I'm not. Uh, Is something wrong with me? Do I not actually want to seek God? And then I had other moments where out of the blue, the Holy Spirit did some things that I'm, I, there was no other explanation. Um, and while I didn't have an utter life-changing experience, I realized actually today, I was talking to another friend who was there, that that was the start of an amazing journey in growing to understand and engage the Holy Spirit. And so that's what happened. Um, over the course of those nine months, I pressed in harder into trusting God. I pressed harder into engaging the Holy Spirit. I pressed harder into just seeking to know who God was and who he was calling me to be and operate from that space. And so many amazing things happened. As I mentioned, Don said, hey, in three months, it's going to be very different than before. And it was. God answered some, God addressed some significant issues in ways that I could never have crafted, that I could never have expected, and that were abundantly more than I could ask or think. In fact, even today, I was meeting with someone who was a part of those answers to prayer, and we were reflecting on that, how God showed up in just a wild way that neither of us could have anticipated, and yet God used in very specific ways in both of our stories. And so God was working. And the hard season that I had been in, I began to wonder if maybe I was coming to the end of it. I was thinking of how Job had gone through so much, and yet he resolved to remain firm and letting God be God. And by the end of the story, everything is restored, that his reputation is restored, all that he lost was restored. And I'm starting to think coming into the spring of 2018, maybe restoration is coming for me. Maybe these spheres of my life that I have had challenges and struggles, maybe the time is finally arriving where it's all going to work out, that God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here's everything. God is a wise and loving God. And he knew that the tricky thing about that space that I was entering is that in subtle ways, my mind was beginning to shift from God being all that I needed to a space where I began to anticipate and long for stuff, good stuff, just stuff, important changes, right changes. But anything that is not God is not God. And while I can make a case that the restoration would be the right thing for God to do. God knew that the right thing was for me to keep him as God above all else, to die to all else but him. And so the restoration didn't happen. In fact, really unexpectedly, things in multiple spheres began to take a turn. Things began to get hard. And I began to wonder what in the world is going on. And my humanity wanted to distrust God, but he had shown himself so clearly. I was so resolved to seek the Holy Spirit, to seek to understand God, that I decided to believe that God must be up to something. That if what I thought should happen clearly wasn't happening, then maybe God has something better. Now, I will... (sighs) We want to believe in those spaces that then we are filled with joy and we are proceeding forward with our uh, heads held high and everything is good. But I had some hard moments. Um, it was hard to, to keep the resolve to trust God. And one of the things that I knew God was calling me to do was to not do it alone. To bring specific people into my life, people that I had chosen, also people that God brought to me unexpectedly, to speak into who God was and what he was doing and what he was calling me to be and who he had called me to be. So one of those people was uh, Jesse Mejias. Jesse Mejias runs Sunodia Prayer Counseling. Um, If you are going through something in your life and you know that the answer is not to just fix it, but to seek God, look up Sunodia, make some time to just sit and, and talk with Jesse or whoever else is there because they are serious about knowing that God is the one who who knows our hearts and knows what we need more than what we know. On June 3rd, uh, I really felt like God was pushing me to get some prayer about some specific things and that he was pushing me to get it specifically from Jesse Mejias. And it just so happened on June 3rd that 
Um, East End Fellowship is the, the church gathering that I attend on Sundays. Uh, they had a time of a prayer where people could get up and people would be along the walls to pray for you. And it just so happened that uh, on this day, Jesse Mejias uh, was standing just down at the end of the row from me and nobody was standing with her. And I was like, this is the moment. So I went and asked her to pray. And I didn't go into very many details, um, but God gave her enough insight to know what to pray for me. Um, and one of those things that God did was, uh, God often gives her pictures, visions, um, and she doesn't always know what they mean, but she often has a sense when they're from God versus just the concoction of her mind. And in this moment, God gave her uh, an image of me standing in a room. And as I'm standing in this room, I'm very much aware that the air is bad. It is thick. There is a stench. It is incredibly difficult to breathe, and it is not sustainable. And my gut instinct is to run out of the room. But in this image, she felt like God was telling me to stay in the room, to not leave the room, but to stay. And instead of just dealing with the stench, in this image, she saw the room being aired out. All of that awful air, that thick, um, obtrusive air just leaving the room and fresh air coming in. I didn't know exactly what this image meant, but immediately it stirred up in me some questions I had been starting to wrestle with again of, and specifically around work, should I stay? Should I go? And I felt like God wasn't giving me an answer, and yet somehow I had the sense that in that silence was the answer, that the answer was wait. Just wait. Don't worry about getting an answer. Just wait for me. So this image made sense, that God was telling me to stay in the room, not to run or do anything else, but to stay in the room and trust that he could bring fresh air in. The same uh, evening, I ended up going up. Uh, they had pillows up by the stage, and I, I kneeled down. And I, I was just talking to God about how I felt like there was just so much needless suffering, so much unjust suffering that I was having to navigate through. And what is the point of it all? And in this moment, God gave me a sweet gift. He reminded me the worst of the things that I felt like I was dealing with, Jesus had dealt with far worse. If you want to talk about unjust suffering, look at Jesus's life. Not just Holy Week leading up to the cross, but his entire life, the number of people that misrepresented him, that neglected him, that insulted him. He needlessly suffered. And as I was seeking with the best of my ability to follow God and to do what he was asking me to do, and, and as a result, dealing with a lot of what I felt was unjust suffering, as I was in that space, it was almost as though Jesus suddenly waved at me and he's like, I'm here too. It was almost as though I realized as much as I felt like I knew and understood Jesus, I suddenly had access to knowing and understanding and communing with him in a way that I hadn't before, that in suffering, I had discovered a connection to Christ. In suffering, I had come across a unity with this man who loves me more deeply than I can ever understand. And it was such a beautiful gift to share in the sufferings of Christ that it was almost as though I wanted more. It's like, bring on the suffering if it means I can grow closer to Christ. It was an amazing gift, the privilege of sharing in the suffering of Christ. And in this space, I began to realize the fallacy of my thinking that I felt like I hadn't been thriving in, in so many spheres of life for so long, and I felt like it was because of certain circumstances. And in order to thrive, those circumstances needed to change. And it was as though God was saying, no. If you want to thrive, then call on me and accept my power to allow you to thrive even in the midst of the impossible, even in the midst of suffering, even when nothing else changes. I can lead you to thrive because I am God. And everything answers to me. I might have shared it on this podcast before, but the, the sense was that we are so prone to define God by our circumstances, and let, instead of letting God, who he is, define our circumstances. God is bigger than everything. 
So God was telling me to wait. God was telling me to trust. There are still some hard moments, things happening that were really breaking my heart, moments where people that I needed to be there for me weren't. And I didn't know what to do other than to just wait on God. We get to July 25th, and uh, that night there was going to be a corporate prayer night for Easton Fellowship. And I felt like it would be good for me to go, and my humanity found reasons that I shouldn't go. But God was clever, and I don't even remember how he did it, but he found a way to push me there. (laughs) And so I get there, and then my humanity was trying to duck out early. But God was slick. He worked some things, so there was no convenient time for me to sneak out. And in the midst of all this, there is this growing sense that I needed to get prayer. I needed to get prayer around identity and faith and what God was going to do moving forward. And he put a very specific name in my mind, Susie Flowers, a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, Susie and I have prayed together. We've talked about God together so much over the years. And so it was very clear I needed to get Susie to pray around my identity and my future. Well, the time came for everyone to break up and to receive prayer from the people that are along the walls. And I'm still second guessing whether it was God or me that was saying all this. People are all paired out except Susie. Susie is there. No one is paired up with her and she is close to me. And so I'm like, okay, God, I see you. And so I go over to Susie and I ask her to pray. And she gets this image of me riding a wave, of of there being a wave that I was riding, and she gets this sense of opportunity presenting itself. These are the two things that I've written down. Uh, And at the time, I didn't really know exactly what to do with those things. Um, I didn't know exactly what they meant, but it was very clear that God was saying something. In fact, one of the reasons it was clear is uh, Susie later texted, and she said, prior to praying for you, I had a vision of the Red Sea parting and this word, Trust me like Moses that I'll move the immovable to set my people free and destroy or remove the enemy. The vision was the prep for praying for you. So God had already prepped in her heart to pray for me and to pray a specific thing that I didn't know that I needed. Meanwhile, as she's texting that, I get another text that suddenly made it very clear that some big things were at play, that God was about to move. And so I respond back to her. It's about to be go time for the spirit. Little did I know that God was about to move in a big way. A few days later, July 30th, some things began to happen that suddenly make me suspect that I was going to lose my job. This would have been an unexpected turn of events, so much so that when I shared it with those closest to me, they pushed back on it. They said, there is no way that you're going to lose your job. There's no way that it's going to go down like that. But I couldn't shake the sense that God was giving me a heads up to prepare me for something he was about to do. So I text Susie and I ask her to pray. I keep it vague, um, but I say that movement of God may be sooner than I thought, and I have no clue what it'll be. And she responded, just pray that you are his vessel and give him permission to flow in you and through you and just obey his voice and only him. We get to Thursday, August 2nd, and about midday, Uh, my boss comes up to me and asks if I can go to a meeting with him and uh, my supervisor later. And that sense returns that I feel like I might be losing my job. There was nothing that he said that would trigger it. There's no objective reasons to assume that that's what it would be. But I just felt that might be what was going to happen. And I, I felt a peace about it in a very odd way. So Interestingly, Susie texts me the moment he walks away from my desk. And she later shared with me that it was clear to her that God was keeping her from remembering to check in with me until that moment. And so I tell her, your timing is interesting. Uh, We're about to enter round two of what I need you to pray for. I could easily see this playing out in a number of ways, the majority of which being challenging. Pray that I would stand in who God is and who he made me to be and that the spirit would speak through me. And so she responds, When y'all start the meeting, ask if you can pray first before whatever the conversation is and invite the spirit where y'all are. And so I respond, well, yeah, of course we're going to pray before it starts. But she's emphatic that it needs to be me. And she says, Jesus wants to use you, not have you as a spectator. Sometimes we are used only in prayer so that the spirit goes crazy and gets all the glory. And sometimes he uses us more boldly. So... What was interesting about the space that I was entering into is during that season where things were feeling good, one of the gifts that God gave me was a peace 
that if he told me to go, it would be okay. That there were had been things he had called me to, reasons he had called me to stay uh, for the number of years that I did, but that those things were about to be finished, that those tasks were about to be completed, and that if he told me to go, it would be okay. And then this week, he had been giving me a hint that I may very well lose my job, even though it wasn't something I would see coming. And what happened next was one of the most important moments in my spiritual life. As I reached the door to that coffee shop, my mind, my humanity began to speak up. And my mind was saying, what if they do fire you? Like, what is it that they're going to say? What is it that they are going to accuse you of? And so then my mind started building a case, building a defense, coming up with all the things that I could say to dismantle any argument against me. And God stopped me dead in my tracks. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I can tell you without a shadow of doubt that what I experienced was the voice of God in that moment. And what God said to me, as I was trying to build a case to protect my job, as he said, that is not what this meeting is about. Do not defend yourself. Do not protect your job. Represent me well. Be who I made you to be. Now, if you recall, that was the very thing that I felt prompted to ask Susie to pray for. And God came back at me with those very words to know who he is, to know who he's created me to be, and to operate in that space. And so I open the door, and I walk in. And they're at the back table. And I kind of know, yep, this is what it is. I sit down and they jump right in. Paul, um, there's no easy way to say this, but we've been talking and we feel like, and I stop him mid-sentence because I remembered in that moment what God told Susie to tell me that I needed to ask if I could pray before we start and invite the Holy Spirit in. So I interrupt them <laughs> mid-firing and I pray. And let me tell you, I was very much aware in that space and over the course of that meeting, what that meeting should have been. It should have been one of the most destructive moments in my life. Working at a place for five years, pouring myself into it, disagreeing with the decision that I should lose the job. It should have been destructive. It should have been infuriating. I could have yelled. I could have wept. I could have argued my case. And who knows what that route would have looked like. It would have, if it would have accomplished anything, probably not. But what God called me to made no sense. The wisdom of God is foolishness to man. What God called me to was counterintuitive, countercultural. God told me to know who he was, to know who he created me to be, which is a peacemaker <laughs> and a shepherd and to operate in that space, not to protect my job, not to defend myself, but to represent him well, to be an ambassador of Christ. And what resulted was one of the most amazing moments of my life. I felt peace. I felt calm. I was feeling joy. I was feeling freedom. If you recall, one of the things that Susie felt like God was asking her to pray into was that I would trust him as Moses trusted God when he parted the Red Sea, that God could move the immovable and set his people free. I felt more myself and more aware of God than I had in a long time, in a moment when I should have felt the complete opposite. And God went even further. He, he prompted my heart to speak truth. He prompted my heart to encourage the two men that were there. And I left with a smile. And this was not because of anything in me. It was 100% because of God, because of his love for me, because of his grace to be patient with me, because he spoke to me through his word and through his spirit and through others. And what this did was not just accomplish something for that moment, but created something that as I continued to work and close out that month, it opened up opportunities that couldn't have been opened before opportunities to speak into the lives of others, to encourage others, to pray for others. 
Opportunities to die to things that had been hard to die to, to release things that had been hard to release. Opportunities to trust God in ways that I wouldn't have trusted him before. Now, specifically, I'm a father. Uh, At the time, I had two kids and a house and a wife. And unemployment was not okay, right? Like, that's what the world says. To be unemployed is bad. It says a lot about who you are. And it costs you financially, reputation, everything. And so the world would have said, hey, you need to find a job before your job here ends so that you can jump right into the next thing and not have a loss of income. But that's not what God said. God said, I don't want you to job search while you're still working here. And I also don't want you to job search in the month of September. I want you to just seek me and trust me and believe that I can take care of you. Now, interestingly, there was one job that God um, asked me to apply for. And ironically, I got the email about this job the same day that I lost my job. And I had seen this job uh, posted before, and I had given it no thought because it was an executive director job. And as I mentioned, there's been a lot of uh, moments where I have had to learn about who God's created me to be and to affirm that identity. Um, That was what I had had. Susie to pray into is my identity because uh, there had been a lot of things spoken to my life of how I wasn't uh, a strong worker or wasn't a good leader. And while I wanted to believe that what God was saying was true, those voices often spoke louder. So I, when I saw this executive director position, I didn't even give it any thought because there's no way I could do that job. There's no way they would want me for that job. But here I was the day I lost my job. <laughs> getting this email for this executive director position, and I ignored it again, except God wouldn't let me. (laughs) As I tried to close out the email, God pushed me to just look at the job description. So I looked at the job description. I saw some keywords that indicated, yep, nope, I'm not the right person. That's not, they're not going to want me and close it out of my mind. That weekend, very fortuitously, uh, my wife and I had an anniversary um, getaway. And so... While we were gone, we were talking about, um, (laughs) you know, me losing my job the day before and uh, how much I was confident that God was doing something big, even though I didn't know what it was. And we talked about this executive director job. And on Saturday morning, I had resolved that I wasn't going to pursue that job, that it wasn't for me, and that I wasn't going to think about it anymore. I wasn't going to job search or anything like that. That was at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. I had resolved it was off the table. And by 11 a.m., I was excited to apply for the job. And somehow, we ended up getting back into conversation about the job and began to realize ways that God had actually positioned me to be able to, to not just do that job well, but to thrive. Ways that he was revealing that I actually would be a good leader if that's what he called me to be. And more importantly, I, I got a sense that I should apply for the job, but just like with the crazy prayer thing episodes about the house, I did not, I, I felt like God was saying, I want you to apply for the job, but I am not promising that you're going to get the job. This is not about the job. This is about stepping in obedience. So I applied and I realized that the reason that God did that is because he needed me to take that step in obedience of affirming the identity that he gave me, that if he was going to call me into leadership, If he was going to call me into an executive director role, then I better trust his voice and not the world's voices. I better affirm who he's made me to be and the gifts that he's given me and not think back to the ways that others had said that those weren't gifts, weren't strengths, that they were weaknesses. By applying for that job, God led me to trust who he made me to be. I did not get that job. They actually did not uh, hire anybody for that job. And there's about a dozen stories branching off of there. But this is not the episode for all of those stories. In fact, I'm going to speed through um, this season because there's so much that I could say. But I want to hit some of the main things. Um, I was entering a season of unemployment, again, which the world would say was bad. And I had a God telling me to trust him. In fact, uh, once I finished... um, what I called a mini sabbatical in September where I didn't job search and I just spent time loving God and loving others. Uh, And again, that's actually when this podcast was born is in that space. 
I felt like God was pushing me to make a podcast. And I said, God, I don't even listen to podcasts. I don't even want to do a podcast. I feel uncomfortable putting my voice in a microphone and sending it to people. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't know that I want to do this. And God said, cool, I want you to do this. And here we are today. Well, I get to the end of September and October 1st, I'm supposed to start job searching. But this interesting thing happened. This God of the universe who knew that I needed money to survive said, actually, you don't need money to survive. You need me to survive. So I don't want you to go crazy in this job search. I don't want you to be lazy either. You're going to find this sweet space of engaging the process, of applying for things, but you are not going to stress over it. You're not going to go crazy applying to 20 things a week and going to 20 interviews. Nope. I'm going to make it clear the level at which I want you to engage, and I want you to do that, and I want you to do that trusting that I will be your provision. Well, that month, um, to be responsible, I looked at our checking account and our savings account. I looked at when my severance would end, and I ran the numbers. And here's what the numbers said. January of this year, our checking account would be depleted. March of this year, our savings accounts would be depleted. So by human standards, I would need to find a job no later than the end of March. So we enter the space where severance runs out, and we are now operating on half of our income. And this really beautiful thing happens. God calls me into even more craziness. My wife was pregnant at the time, and it was a hard pregnancy for a lot of reasons. And there is one day that she was just feeling the weight of it all. And she said, I just need to go and get a massage or something. I just need to do something to just take a break, to do something refreshing and life-giving. Now, those that know me know that I am frugal to a fault. That, that is my tagline in some people's minds. Um, it is hard for me to spend money. It should have been even more so when we had half of our income coming in. But an amazing thing happened. God said, hey, remember when I said you needed to trust me, that I would be your provider, that I would be your provision? And you know how you're frugal and you know how you don't have really much money coming in? Guess what? I want you to let your wife do whatever she wants to do. If she wants to get a million massages, I want you to do that because your charge right now is to love your wife, not protect your bank account. And I felt okay about it. So again, we were supposed to run out of money by January and March. And not only was God telling me to be willing to put more things on the table, but also at the same time, I felt like God was saying, oh, by the way, I don't want y'all to change your way of living because I don't want you to operate out of fear. So we did not adjust our budget at all. We didn't scale back on anything because we felt like God was saying, just trust me. Let me take it even further. Beginning in December, some of you who are listeners may remember that I unexpectedly ended up in the hospital. And if you've been in the hospital, you know that that comes with a lovely, lovely price tag. God gave me a piece about trusting him that I didn't need to worry about the hospital bills because, hey, I'm already in it. <laughs> what does it matter what's added on because God's already going to have to show himself? Well, I'm going forward in that attitude. And the week after I get out of the hospital, we suddenly have several unexpected expenses. These expenses added up to 700 or so dollars. It was almost like the enemy was trying to trip us up. And what he didn't realize is God's bigger and he already won. And so I just laughed and said, well, add it to the pot. That next week, we got three checks in the mail from people who had never sent us checks before, totaling around $700, covering all of those expenses that we didn't have the money to cover. Add on to that, in February, our third child was born. If you've had a child before, you know that that also comes with a price tag. Add on to that, our cat had something going on with her teeth that racked up a $1,700 vet bill. Add on to that some other car issues. Add on to that a number of things that, if we put it all together, was somewhere around $10,000 that we didn't anticipate. So again, we're operating off of half our income. We're supposed to run out January and March. God said, hey, you can add some things. I don't want you to subtract anything, but you're also going to add some hospital bills. And you're also, by the way, Christmas, that costs something. And you're going to have a random high vet bill. And, and let me tell you, I, uh, it, it is mid-April. 
and I checked my bank account today. My wife, by the way, hasn't had any income for the past few weeks because she's in her last month of maternity leave, which is unpaid. And we still have a checking account and we still have our savings account. That is the power of God. The wisdom of man says, you better get a job. You better find some way to get an income. And the wisdom of God is when God says to do something, you don't need to figure out how to get it done. You just need to know the God of the universe has all the provisions that you need. All right, it is now 11 p.m. I'm coming back at this eight hours after I had to push pause. And I'm trying to finish strong. Um, again, there's so much I could tell in this story. So much I'm leaving out. Moments where uh, I felt the weight of what God was calling me to and God was my strength. Moments where I felt the anger of things that had happened and God called me to die to my right to be angry. Release that to him, trusting that he could do something better than anything I could come up with. Um, that he could give me peace where I thought there couldn't be peace. And again, with all of the provision... There are moments where I felt the the whispers of what the world might be saying of, man, it's been six months, it's been seven months, what's wrong with this guy? Why hasn't he gotten a job? And I, I could almost imagine God saying, well, why is it you feel like you need to get a job now? And I would say, well, I mean, I feel like people would be saying, and God stops me and say, does it matter what people think or does it what matter what I know about you? And then I'm like, okay, sure, but, you know... <laughs> I have to take care of my family. I have to pay for my house and I have to you know, care for my kids. And then God stops me again and says, look at your bank account. I've actually been paying you. I've actually been covering your bills. So if you don't have to worry about the finances, why the rush? What if I'm trying to do something here? What if I wanted you to be unemployed for six plus months because I was trying to accomplish something beyond getting you a job? And so it's been beautiful to see that I really do believe there's something bigger than me happening here. And I don't know all of what that story is. I've seen snippets of it. I have sense of some of those things. Uh, and I hope one day maybe I'll be able to share those stories, uh, the ones at least that I get to know. Um, but I'll close out with this. Uh, there has been a strong theme that uh, I've mentioned in this episode and in other episodes that God has been calling me to know who he is, to know who he's called me to be and to operate in that space. And there has been a big journey around identity, um, knowing that God has called me to live out the gift that he's given me of pastoral care, of shepherding, and also knowing that that's not always a gift that the world values or sees or even wants at times. And yet that is what God's called me to. And throughout this journey, there have been moments where it was very clear that certain things were rising to the surface of my heart. As I looked for jobs, um, as I thought through what the future could look like, pastoral care was definitely a piece of that. Shepherding, walking alongside people as they sought to learn what it meant to love God and love others and to serve. Community advocacy, caring for my neighbors. Um, the, the number of years I've spent walking with people to help them to recognize that if we come in trying to fix people, we can actually hurt them. If we come in like Jesus, seeking to serve and to humbly love, then God can do things that we never could. Um, and I love storytelling. And so these three things, pastoral care, community advocacy, and, and storytelling keep on rising to the surface. And I would look for jobs, and some I could sort of see it in there, some I could pretend like it was in there, but there was never anything that I came across that quite, quite hit it. Like I felt like I wanted it to hit, and I felt like God may be pushing it to hit. Well, uh, there came a point where there's a few things that actually started to get some traction. As I got into to February, um, there's a mission organization um, that I had connected with in uh, November because of the pastoral care piece. I interviewed and really loved that time of interviewing with them in December. They had some transitions going on, and so we interviewed again in January, and um, and I really loved it. And, I, and it was only going to be part-time. It was going to be 100% I would have to raise my support, um, but I was open to whatever God wanted to do, and um, by the second interview, there were some things that 
I started to feel like maybe this isn't the place that I'm going to land, but let me still navigate this as though it might be. And one of the things I thought is, hey, let me just put a really low-key, vague, test-the-waters um, push out there to see who might be willing to financially support me if I became a missionary. And again, this was vague. It was low-key. It was basically a Facebook post and a couple emails to people who have supported me in the past. No real details. And I was really encouraged because by that was on a Monday, and by that Thursday, there was $14,000 pledged um, of, of, of support for the year. And <laughs> I felt like God was trying to make it clear, hey, look what I can do. Um, what I didn't know is that God was doing some other things. I uh, had been grown in friendship with a guy named Chris Zinchuk, who's the director over at YWAM Virginia. Uh, YWAM is Youth with a Mission. Um, and basically, they want to equip um, people to be able to know who Jesus is and make him famous and to go into all the world and just love and and serve as Jesus loved and served. And as they do that, to celebrate and to share who God is and who God wants to be in their lives. And I'd worked alongside them in a number of capacities. And Chris and I had been meeting just uh, uh, for him to just kind of let uh, be a sounding board for me, to encourage me, to speak into what he was seeing. And we were meeting one day, and he was telling me about some of the shifts that their base was doing uh, to be able to make more of a focus on Richmond. Um, and he knew that was close to my heart. Um, he knows I've, I've invested a decade of my life in Richmond. Um, he knows that I am committed to equipping young adults to know what it means to love God, love others, and serve. And so as he's sharing these vision shifts, I'm like, man, yeah, that, this sounds awesome. Um, and I started sharing some of my thoughts about how I felt like there were some opportunities ahead where this shift was extremely timely. And little did I know that about 15 minutes later, um, he pauses the conversation and he says, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to call you here today is I wanted to invite you to pray about joining the YWAM team. And this wasn't something I had really expected because, to be honest, when I heard youth with a mission, I assumed uh, youth in the definition of it being <laughs> like kids, um, but they serve young adults. Um, they serve um, a number of ages around that. And, and so it hadn't been on my radar, but as he shared about YWAM, as I thought about all the things that they were doing, and as I later um, looked more into their values and their mission, I began to realize, man, this this aligns really well with who I am, with how I feel a ministry should function. Um, he's really specific about saying um, that YWAM is not an organization. It is a movement. It is a movement of God and it is a movement of people that God has called. Um, they are spirit-led individually and organizationally. If they have to make a decision, they don't just make it based off numbers. They say, okay, God, what is it? that we need to know, what direction do we need to go? And whatever sense they get, they, they go trusting that God would work. Um, and I began to think of all the ways that their um, vision shift of investing in Richmond more, of pouring more deeply into to young adults around the area, how it matched so well with some of my passions. They had needs for storytelling that matched with some of my pet. All these things began to line up. And the one tricky thing is it's 100%. It, I'd be a missionary. 100% would raise all my funds. And so here's the funny thing. like As I would think about all that, I would realize how, how much of an incredible fit it was for reasons I've shared and reasons I haven't. Um, I began to think, why wouldn't I do this? Because the other thing that I didn't mention is there wasn't a sudden job vacancy that they were trying to fill. It was simply that they knew who I was and how I operated, what I believed, what I valued, and they wanted that on their team. They knew that that was the type of thing that they wanted on their base. Um, and if I was willing to join them, they would love to have me. And my job would be whatever it is that God made it clear I needed to be doing. So why wouldn't I want a job that is what God wants me to do, that 
emphasizes and values the gifts and the passions that I bring to the table and serves the community I love. And I thought, I mean, the only reason would be a financial. But if you recall, I just shared that on the day that I met, I had already had $14,000 pledged for another job with minimal effort. <laughs> and what I felt like God was saying is, Paul, I, I get the financial piece and it is a big risk. It is a, it is a scary thing. I don't want you to make this decision based on finances. I have covered your bills. I have protected your checking and savings account and I have raised $14,000 for you. So do not make this decision based on finances. Meanwhile, there is another job that I had applied for as a center director position for an organization that provides academic assistance to uh, middle schoolers. And there was a lot about the job that I, I could definitely see myself being able to do the job. Um, I could see things that I would enjoy. There were also a lot of things that I knew that um, would uh, tap into areas of weakness um, and things that would tap into areas that weren't life-giving. Um, the other hard thing was the hours would mean that I would barely see my kids during the week. And as I mentioned, I have an infant at home now. Um, I want to be able to see my kids. And when I commit to a place, my hope is to commit as long-term as possible. And so I thought, man, is this sustainable? Um, me as an introvert, being in a space with 100 middle schoolers and 20 or so volunteers and staff, day in and day out, operating in spaces that are going to call on me to function in some of my weaknesses and some areas that aren't life-giving uh, and not see my kids. Like, is this something that I could see myself doing for multiple years? Is this sustainable? And I began to ask myself, why is it that this job is still on the table? And the reason was, is because it was a stable income. Um, it wasn't a bad job, but I knew for me, that was the big driving thing for where I was in life and how much I'm valuing family right now. That was the main thing it would provide for my family. But again, God told me not to worry about finances. And so, you know, I wrestled for about a month. Um, and it finally came down to, and God just started shaking some things up. So the One Mission organization had communicated that they were intending to offer me a, a part-time role and that they wanted me to meet the staff first. And I really appreciated them, the staff. I love the staff. I love what they were doing. I wasn't ready to take it off the table. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just go and meet the staff and see what happens. Well, I, was, uh, I had made it to the third phase of this center director job. And the last phase would be a meeting with the executive director. I felt really good about everything that was happening uh, functionally, that the interviews had gone well. And the third phase was a site visit. And I was really excited about the lesson that I had planned. And that was supposed to happen on a Thursday, but then it got shifted to the same Monday as the other thing was going to be. And I thought, well... You know, why take this off the table? Why not just like see how it goes and um, and then just make a decision based on, you know, if people offer me a job or not. But I remember there's this moment where it just became very clear to me that it wasn't that God was telling me, I want you to do this specific job. It was like he was saying, where do you see me and are you willing to walk towards me? And this isn't to say that God wouldn't have been in the other things, but it was very clear in a number of things that he was doing, a number of connections that were coming about that I could see God waiting for me over at YWAM. And, and I began to realize if that's the case, then what is the benefit to waiting, um, to going to these um, things on Monday um, would that make it easier or would it actually make it harder? Or put another way, I realized I had an opportunity. If I felt like God was in a place and he was calling me to come to him, he was calling me to take a step of faith and obedience, that I had a real opportunity. What could it look like to forego, to pull myself out of these other opportunities, uh, these other real and potential job offers as an expression to say, God, I am turning away these things in order to walk towards you, trusting that you are where I am walking towards. And so I wrestled through the weekend, um, a lot of prayer, a lot of thinking, but finally it just became very clear. Like it wasn't that God was saying, you should work at YWAM. He was saying, come where you see me. That's where I was seeing him. And so I took that leap. And so, you know, in a situation like that, you would wanna think that then there is immediate joy and release and everything was great. Um, 
But the way I like to relate it is um, it's kind of like I've never been bungee jumping, but I imagine there's that moment where you're standing on the edge before you jump where you wrestle with all the fears. Um, and that's what I was wrestling with, all the fears of all the questions. Um, you know, will this carabiner hold me? Will the rope hold me? Will I survive? Should I even do this? And I was thinking through all the logistics of these jobs. And then there comes the point where you finally make this decision that might not even be logical. You make this decision where you don't know if everything will hold, but you know that you should jump and you jump. But what can happen next is that as you are falling, you begin to take on all those fears again. Will the rope hold me? Where the carabiner, is it, is it placed right? Should I even have done this? And that fear can cripple you. It can knot you up. It can make you miss what you're actually experiencing because the truth is you have already jumped. And to worry after you've jumped one won't change a thing. Either the rope's going to hold or not, but at that point, you can't change it. But the reason you jumped is because you knew an experience lie ahead. And so why let yourself fear and miss that? And I began to realize all the ways in which fear and concern and anxiety were causing me to miss that I had just taken an incredible leap of faith, step of obedience, choosing God over everything the world would said I should do. And that was something that God was wanting me to celebrate, wanting me to trust that he was jumping ahead of me, that he was going to catch me. And even though I was jumping into a dark fog, I could believe that he, regardless of what was there, that he was there. And so I'm, I'm, still, I'm still falling. Um, <laughs> uh, I still don't know exactly how long this rope is and, and what awaits me at the end of the rope. But what I know is that God has called me to leap towards him, not towards what the world says employment should look like, not what the world says uh, responsibility looks like, because I'm, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the, the thing that says, you know, we're in, not of the world. I am operating in this world, but God has called me to, to recognize that I am a new creation and that the way that the world functions is not limited to the way that the world functions, like it is only limited by what God decides he wants to do. And if God wants me to forego a salary and trust that he will provide, whether it's by a lot of donations coming in or by God canceling our mortgage debt, right? Like I have the opportunity to live in such a way that I am dependent on God and not on my own strength, my own smarts, my own capacities, my own abilities. And so I'm really excited to share that where I am today um, after this long journey of unemployment is I am choosing to step into this space in obedience of being a missionary to Richmond. You may be asking, well, what's that going to look like? Well, as of right now, YWAM is a part of that. And that is the direction um, that God has made very clear. He is putting some things in place. One thing that's been really incredible to see is you know, God is God and, and we should obey him whether or not he does anything for us. But he, God is good. He sometimes chooses to do these really sweet things to show that he is present. And one of the amazing things that he did is when I came into YWAM, before you can be on staff, you have to go through their training school. The next option for me is in September. So until then, I'm serving as a volunteer in a part-time capacity. Now, normally volunteers, they're, they're typically younger than me. Uh, have very few attachments in life, and many of them haven't really experienced much in the way of work before. And so when they come in to volunteer, they're usually doing um, just the, the in it grunt work jobs so that they can grow in that experience of what it looks like to serve. But those uh, um, on the YWAM team knew that I'm coming in with a little bit of experience, uh, and, and it would seem like a waste for them not to utilize some of the gifts that I bring to the table. Well, here's the, the amazing thing about God is they ask what some of my gifts are, what some of my strengths are, what some of my passions are, and then they were going to compare it to their list of needs. And they had some very, very clear needs, some vacancies. One um, was around storytelling. Um, they had had somebody doing video and doing sort of their uh, social media presence that had um, moved on to something else and they needed somebody who could step in and help to tell the stories coming from the base. 
I love storytelling. <laughs> I love making videos. Uh, and then my very first week, um, the volunteer coordinator was going to be gone for three and a half weeks. And one of the huge needs they were going to have is somebody to coordinate the service projects that one of their schools would be doing. Well, I just got out of five years of being in charge of hundreds of service projects. And so it's just hilarious that the very needs that they had were the very things that I brought to the table. And, and we believe that there could be more of that that lie ahead. Here's what I'm excited about. I have a deep heart for my community here, my neighbors. Um, I have a deep passion for walking alongside others. And God has made a way for that to work. I had looked at so many jobs where I might be able to squeeze portions of it in, or I might have to forego doing that with my job and do it in my spare time. But God has opened a way where I can invest the bulk of my life into these clear ways that God has called me to function, that God has equipped me to serve others, to love him and to honor him. And I'm excited. And while I don't know all of what's ahead, there are so many questions. I am excited that God has shown himself as provider, that God has shown himself as wise, that God has shown himself as bigger than anything I could imagine, that God has shown he can do abundantly more than I can ask or think. And whatever lies ahead, I know that God is ahead of me. I know that whatever I do, I have the opportunity to love God and love others with who God has created me to be. And God orchestrated that. so many more stories that I could tell, so much more that I could say, but I'll end with this. I mentioned that after I took the leap, um, I began to question again if the rope was going to hold and if I should have even jumped in the first place. And God was really gracious in that space and did so many things that I wish I could share um, to reassure me, to encourage me, to invite me to embrace the fall, to enjoy the wind hitting my face. And one of the ways that he demonstrated that was the first meeting I went to um, with YWAM. And they were sharing what YWAM was to a group of pastors. And this quote came up on the screen. I saw a map of the world with waves crashing to the shores. But as I watched, the waves became young people and covered all the continents of the world. And that was Lauren Cunningham sharing what led him to create YWAM. And it hit me in such a beautiful way, here is this quote about waves and young people riding the waves. And I immediately remembered Susie's words of riding the waves and waiting for that opportunity to present itself. It was as though God was saying, you want to know how powerful I am? I knew this was happening months ago, back in July, back before you lost your job back before you had any idea what was in store. That is who I am. I am a God that knows, and I am a God that works, and I am a God that loves. And this same God, who has utterly transformed my life over the last nine or so months, is the same God that wants to transform your life. The same God that wants to show you that all the things that you are, are fearing, are worrying about, that are angry about, he wants you to know that those things do not have power over you unless you let them, but that he has power over all things. And all the things that you are worried about that you need, he can provide the things that you need. All the things that you think are impossible, he can do the impossible. Is he going to do it in the way that you expect? Probably not. Is he going to do it in the timing that you want? Probably not. But is it going to be the right thing in the right time? Absolutely. Is it going to be bigger than you? Most likely. Because this God is bigger than we can comprehend. And we are not called to function independently. We are called to function as a body. And to see how God has used so many elements of my story and other people's stories has been a testament to how big this God is. That it isn't about me getting a job. 
It's about me stepping in obedience towards a God who is God, but also knowing that I'm stepping towards a God who is good. So wherever you are in your life, whatever you are dealing with, that is for you. The same God can be that God for you today. So I encourage you to look for it. I encourage you to listen for it. I encourage you, if you see that opportunity to take that leap of faith, that step of obedience, to do it. And when you do, don't forget to ask, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, Uh, Think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?